Hello and welcome to another installment of Bar Talk Podcast, bringing you everything you need to know about law via discussions, interviews, and news updates. Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, welcome everybody to another edition of the Omaha Bar Association Bar Talk Podcast. I'm Dave Summers, the Executive Director of the Omaha Bar Association, and we are here for a Law Day edition of the podcast with Lorraine Boyd of the Daily Record. Lorraine, you have been a staple for years at Omaha Bar Association events, and um, many know you as well. Um, In addition to your Daily Record hat, you also have been the longtime um, publisher and editor, uh, I believe is the right term. Maybe I'm mistaken on that, but you have been putting together the OBA newsletter uh, since around the time I started in 2012, 2013. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. Um, so for the listeners, let's go back, because I, I don't even have this history, and, and we've known each other for years, but, but Lorraine, um, if you can, take us back to uh, born and raised here in Omaha? No, actually born and raised in Kansas City, mm-hmm. Missouri, and I moved up here to go to Creighton. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a short stint two years away, I came back here and have been here ever since. And don't ask me how many years that is. <laughs> Decades. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so were you in communications and journalism from the start? Yes, I majored in English and journalism in school, and then I went um, to graduate school work at UNO Mm -hmm. 10 years later. But my job, my first job was in, was at the Nonpareil in Council Bluffs as a reporter photographer. And then after I left, well then I left the country, and then I came back and started working in public relations. And I had public relations jobs with St. Joseph Hospital and uh, West Side Schools and and that you know that took up that took me up to about a couple decades ago and uh, and then I started a business which we kind of do the the OBA newsletter through avant-garde publications and I did uh, publications for clients. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started writing for the Daily Record because I was still a writer, you know, and I, I liked publishing too. And after 10 years of writing for them, they asked me if I wanted to be the editor. So that was 19 years ago. So I have almost 30 years with the Daily Record wow. one way or another. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it went very fast. <laughs> So, what was your motivation, inspiration behind going to journalism? What was the nexus for that? You know, uh, oddly enough, uh, sitting here in the law school, um, I thought I might go to law school, and so I started out in um, I started majoring in political science. Now, I had been the editor of my high school paper, and you know, I'd always written, and so. Public uh, or uh, um, political science was just a total bust for me. <laughs> I hated it, and I said, "Okay, I guess I'll have to go back to the only other thing I know, and that's journalism." 
So I kind of twisted a little bit and did most of my work in radio and television. Now they call it broadcasting, but um, and then I, but I, you know, I I took a lot of hours in journalism, so I did some print too, and and then so I was felt really qualified for nothing when I left there because <laughs> it was pretty broad but thin. So the when I went to the nonpareil at that time may still be true. Uh, they were hiring people right out of school. I was actually a senior. I was still in school, and uh, like Frank Lane was the city editor, and they called it the Frank Lane School of Journalism because he's the one that, you know, helped me get my feet wet in the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, and that was fun. But I decided then that I didn't really want to do that, and I wanted to explore other things. And never did get an actual job in radio and television. They weren't hiring women for much of anything then. Mm -hmm. I could be weather girl, maybe. So, um, but then I did get to use it in PR because I did PR advertising marketing and I would write and produce commercials and things. So I got a little bit of that. So a little are bit there, of everything. Are there any um, early career uh, stories on, on, you know, big things that, that happened, a big, you know, story that you were covering that was impressive or maybe even just a learning on the job moment? Well, the, the, the one that popped into my head was so long ago, my first job, when um, our company car was a Nash Rambler that only worked in uh, third gear and reverse. <laughs> so you kind of really floored it to go, <laughs> you know. There's, and so they sent me out to a bank robbery and I'm just, I'm tearing down to the other end of Council Bluffs. I got there and I went inside and the uh, people were pointing to the back door and I said, what's going on? And they said, oh, he just left out the back door. <laughs> so I stayed in, then they locked the door. So I was locked in with everybody else who was at the robbery. So I'm interviewing everybody and this one teller said, oh, um, we gave him our bag, so he left his bag behind. It's right here. So then the FBI came and they said, you know, where were you when it happened? I said, well, I was in the car. I was, you know, I wasn't here yet. He said, well, you can't stay here. You have to get out. And I said, well, before that, did you get the bag that he brought with him? And he said, what bag? I said right over there because I was way ahead of them. <laughs> so, so they. Uh, I said okay. So I'll leave if you let me take a picture of you with the bag, <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and, and then he threw me out. And so I was my first experience too. Went across the street to a payphone and called in the story, mm -hmm. dictated it. Yeah. Only time I ever did that. Front page stuff. Front page byline. Yeah. So that was just a. A glorious moment and I was I had no idea what I was doing you know I mean they don't teach you how to cover bank robberies in school right. so it was and then I covered his arraignment and everything else and then and he tried to he tried to chase me down the hall when I took his picture so and the deputies had to get in between oh god it was it was quite a day <laughs> nothing like that's happened since <laughs> So, uh, do you have any estimate in how many um, how many articles you've written over the years? I mean, just the compendium of 
stuff that you've yeah. done. You know, uh, the only thing I can think of as a, a comparison is I had an entertainment column for 20 years in the Daily Record, mm -hmm. as well as you know covering other things and being editor. And um, so I wrote that 52 weeks a year for 10 years. So that makes it that alone, right? Hundreds and hundreds of just columns. Yeah. And um, I was certainly doing more stories than that. Yeah. And that's just for this part, but uh, just the daily record part of my career. So I don't know, thousands and thousands. You know, one of the 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 reason one of the reasons that you uh, were at the top of the list for the award this year was because of the Law Day theme, which goes nicely with with your work, which is uh, freedom of press, freedom of speech, uh, free society, or something of that sort. I keep on You're right. sort of butchering it, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, to that end, obviously, um, working in the press, um, specifically as it relates to the courts and the legal system. Um, it, it sure seemed like the work that you do is, is you know, that same thing. Any, any thoughts on where you've seen that, that First Amendment freedom of press, freedom of speech over the past decades that you've been in, in the biz? Well, I have to say that I think, and I've talked to a lot of lawyers and judges about this, but I think Omaha, maybe Nebraska, is unique in the country is one of the few that has as open a relationship with the press as they do, as the bar and the members of the bar do. Yeah. I have found, I've worked in education and in medicine, this is by far the easiest group to work with, the most open, forthcoming, um, and that's what's made writing with them a joy because, so there's a great deal of freedom of the press here. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, when you have access to the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, you just pick up the phone and he picks up the phone and you ask him questions and he answers them and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's that way with everybody. And I've had very few people over all these years not want to talk to me or not give me what I needed. So, and of course, that the responsibility comes with that to do right by them right. and uh, not print things and occasionally they'll go off the record on something and I always respect that and uh, that is in part why I think I enjoy this myself because I have earned their trust mm -hmm. and that's really important in the whole free press thing and I you know I I was on a panel one time with Todd Cooper from the World Herald who I love to read his crime stories. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's kind of the Truman Capote, uh, you know, of the journalism here because he writes it's so clever, and I know it probably infuriates them sometimes, but uh, but he really brings it to the people, you know. Kind of, and we don't cover trials and things there. That's just not our job. We we don't have the manpower to do that. But uh, but. Even though he can be a, probably a burr under their saddle, they still give him full reign, yeah. and I'm sure respect as well. And, and he is a nice guy, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, serving on the panel with him, I learned that. 
so uh, we are in a unique position. I'm sure, I know there are other places where they would kill for this kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes for all of the media. You know, I see the television and radio around all the time covering things that I'm covering. Full access. Uh, it's, we are very lucky. And people who live here should be aware that that they are getting so much more transparency, you know, than other places maybe do. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, it's a great media here. And I know that, um, you know, there was the informal start to um, opening relations, you know, in the 90s and, and sort of continued with the, the Bench Media Committee, which has um, really come to its own the last couple of years mm-hmm. under um, Justice Funk's uh, leadership and, and uh, Judge Hutton, and you know, making sure that the members of media understand the legal processes as much as they need to to, to get the story right, um, but certainly not keeping anything back um, unless it needs to be kept back for right, juvenile, right. you know, things like that purposes. But uh, it, it is it is amazing. I serve ex officio on that committee, and I watch them every single time. The you know, there's no we're going to hide the story because it's against lawyer, it's anti lawyer, or you know, puts us in a bad light. It's no, you deserve taxpayers deserve to know what's going on, and if you want to cover this, if this is the most interesting piece of news in your town, by all means, yeah, and we'll just make sure that you understand. The process so you don't misrepresent how this all went down. Right. That's that would be the only reason why they would stop cooperating with you if you misrepresented and yeah. but I remember a number of years ago now, probably a dozen years ago anyway, the Supreme Court uh, sponsored a day with uh, the press or the all the media uh, select people. We came in and it was like a little little school, like a, a a fast course in covering the courts and everything to do with that and it was really really good you know a lot of the justices and people were all involved and and answered questions and um, I kind of thought they would continue that but they they haven't but it might be something to revisit sometime because it was really really helpful I think Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of small town people there too you know who don't get this kind of uh, they don't know who those people are you know I know everybody by their face I know their name but they don't see them all the time so yeah uh, they've tried really hard to educate and uh, uh, their website shows that too like the Supreme Court and all the courts under they've uh, I think they've been very transparent Mm-hmm. Um, so, it all bodes well for this state anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that subscribers to the Daily Record can see and, and I've seen over the years is the uh, the really active approach to telling the good stories uh, in the legal profession um, that maybe aren't top of the fold front page Omaha World Herald things, yep. maybe it's a bit more gotcha or if it bleeds it leads sort of mentality in the nightly news and in um, print of the Omaha World Herald. But the Daily Record really has made, um, and you've written a lot of the stories, um, about the good that's going on in the community and, and educating people on that. Well, you know, I uh, 
that part of that stems right out of my PR background. You know, I always felt like, um, while not wanting to bury anything, certainly, but you know, if you aren't going to toot your horn, nobody is. And if we're a, a member of the legal community, I consider us a part of it, mm. then we got to tell the good story too because there's plenty of people out there to write the negative stuff. Mm. Plenty of people. But we need to balance it. So I really like finding positive stories about lawyers. We run all kinds of just stories on individuals so that people can get to know them as a person who's not just an adversary in court, but you know, a person who's doing a lot of good. And the lawyers do so much pro bono work that the, me the, the public probably doesn't realize. You know, they really give back to the community. And I especially like the law firms that require it, mm -hmm. a certain number of hours of everybody. Um, you know, it's just like the service projects in high schools. That they started, we didn't have those so much when I was <laughs> back in the dark ages in the one-room schoolhouse. No, um, <laughs> but but they, you know, they continue in that vein where you got to give back. And this, I don't know. I think pinch me, but I think this is kind of unique in in the way that uh, the legal community operates here. So well, and it is. It is one of those things that maybe we, as a as a community, don't understand. The um, communicating all the good acts is something that can can help. You know, we just sit and do it, and it's not it's not necessarily thing that we promote. But it is something that you see other professions out there, and and they lead with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, doctors without borders, and uh, but. <laughs> But like the the legal aid stepped up last week and said we're going to help all the people uh, that were affected by the flood. Mm -hmm. And they talked last night about uh, 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 they explained to him. You know, they said, well, what if I don't have experience in those areas? And he rattled off a couple dozen different areas where you could be of help that probably every lawyer was familiar with. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, they're they're just front and center yeah the disaster relief project that Shirley Peng is is um, mm. on you know it's been I think it's been three years since they started that and yeah, I remember you know they weren't they weren't doing a lot there was the the Pilger um, uh, disaster that kind of led to applying for that grant and everything like that mm -hmm. but it sounds like they're they're gonna be put to work and hopefully volunteers that have signed up with them um, and those that, that want to sign up with them will be put to work to to help with those female applications and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's they said. You know what? When they show a little uh, uh, thing last night. Uh, when I say last night, it was the barrister's ball, the the uh, state bar mm -hmm. kind of uh, gala fundraiser, and they showed a short uh, film and where the guy, one of the lawyers, talked about how well you know what takes me, you know maybe a couple hours of work. It's easy for me because I'm used to this these forms. You know it's not difficult. For them, you know, it's just life-saving. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they get so much help and they get it quickly. So uh, uh, I think probably they won over a few people in there to volunteer, Absolutely. I would think. Yeah. And anybody who wants more information, they can certainly contact the OBA and we'll oh, yeah. uh, send them with Shirley's email and, and get them signed up. Um, so you go to all these events, all the, the OBA events, the state bar events, you're everywhere. What 
right, Omaha Law League. Let's not, you know, short, short on the list here. Ulfa, Nipa. Give me your top five favorite events that you go to throughout the year, if you can. I mean, they, I know there's so many, so many <laughs> but the, the Barrister's Ball. And the the know, Barrister's that, Ball is lovely. Yeah. You know, it's uh, what they laughingly call the lawyer's prom. Right. Uh, they had a lot of beautiful gowns there last night. Uh, and, and it's a great mix, and I notice most of these things, it's a great mix of ages mm -hmm. and disciplines. You know, there's people, they just all get together and have a good time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, you know, I love, the, I love the field day, the Omaha Bar sure. field day. Yeah. And that's a lot of fun. And, and again, promotes that camaraderie and getting mm -hmm. to know each other because, you know, lawyers sit in their own office. They don't just hang around with a gob of lawyers all the time. They have to. So this gives them a chance to get to know people and um, network. And then, well, the steak fry that uh, yeah. the Daily Record and the Barristers group puts <laughs> on, that's always fun. But uh, really, every every event I go to, has has something to offer and something really interesting. Uh, I learned something with those CLEs. You know, I'm not getting any CLEs, but I'm learning, mm -hmm. um, and that and that helps me in writing. But it's also just interesting. Yeah. Some of the ones that are open to the public, the public should know. They should show up for some of those. Right. They would be surprised at how much they learn and how much they'd enjoy it. But mostly, I like all of the events because I really like to see the people because they're, I mean, huh, I, <laughs> they're just wonderful people. They're, they're just genuine, wonderful people, and um, I'm so privileged to have gotten to know so many of them. Now, the Barristers... Christmas uh, show. <laughs> oh, yeah, You're I forgot. writing very minimal notes on that one, right? That's <laughs> you know, when I first started going, I was frantically writing down all this stuff and all these jokes. And then I, I looked at the lawyer sitting next to me at the table and I said, why am I writing all this down? I can't print any of this. So after that, I just stopped writing it down and just took pictures and we just run pictures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> always a good time, though. Yeah, always a good time, yes. <laughs> the budding writers, the comedy writers uh, on that. Uh, mm. And the Daily Record is happily hosts them mm -hmm. in all their writing sessions all fall yeah. to get ready. Um, we used to, when, when Ron Henningsen, our publisher, was alive, he used to uh, cook them elaborate meals, but... When he died, then his son cooked them not as elaborate meals, and then <laughs> I think we're down to chips and dip now, and or we just send them down the road to Barrett's to have <laughs> to get some food there. So, but we do we do get behind him on that. Yeah, well, it's it, I mean it's such an important thing to be able to laugh at yourself, oh. and sometimes lawyers have been known to take themselves too seriously, <laughs> and uh, so I. I'm just a, I'm a big fan for poking fun at ourselves where we can. So. Self-deprecating humor is always great, and and I really admire a couple of the people that get picked on every year and still <laughs> show up. Still show up, right? <laughs> and you know, God love them. They they uh, they 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 get bullied a lot, but <laughs> they come back for more. <laughs> and and we wait for those. We we really 
I, I still have some of the centerpieces from that event uh, that <laughs> that tell the whole story in themselves. So, so from your perspective, you know, you you've done um, all these different levels of media. We're sitting here today on a podcast, which is, I guess, a different level of media. Yeah. Um, where do you see us coming from? Where do you see us going when it comes to news reporting on on you know how we're getting our information, everything like that, from, from your perspective, maybe within the industry alone, um, you know, from your seat, what do you see? You know, I worry because so many people are getting it from sources that are not really reliable. You know, they jump on the internet and they don't question what the source is mm -hmm. and get all kinds of misinformation. And just getting, you know, sound bites and stuff, even on the TV news, even if you're watching network news, which fewer people are. I mean, you do get good information, but you get very little. And the only way you can get a clearer picture is to have something in print or in print via, you know, the internet, the electronic version. Um, personally, I love print, so I don't want it to go away. And I, I'm afraid it might. And then I don't know where people are really going to get their information, yeah. uh, correct information. It's going to be much harder. Mm -hmm. So, so if you don't have a subscription to the World Herald, get one, yeah. because it's the only way we're going to keep it afloat. And their, you know, papers are hurting all over. Mm -hmm. um, they cut staff a few years ago, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they cut staff recently too. Yeah. Uh, it just keeps going down because, and that, <laughs> and that impacts on what we get. Mm -hmm. you, if when I get my paper, it's about a. a tenth of the size that it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I noticed one thing, the obituaries used to take up maybe half a page, you know, the normal size you envision. A few weeks ago they blew them up so they take up like three pages of the paper, these huge obituaries. And I, personally it, it, it offends me aesthetically because it, I think it looks pretty bad. but. You know, that just shows you they don't have the people to fill it with news. Yeah. Um, so, and there's plenty of news out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm guilty of reading a lot of things on, on the internet, but I'm reading, you know, Time Magazine or New York Times or, you know, uh, Washington Post till they cut me off with my free ones every month. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that, that's a good segue. What, um, you know, in terms of, who you've tried to emulate yourself after in terms of uh, writers, in terms of photojournalists, uh, you know, any any names come to mind or any publications that you you really look at and want to follow? Well, I, I you know, I, I know people characterize these magazines as left or right, and I, I think Times, the Time magazine still does a great job of reporting difficult, you know, in-depth stories. Um, I had a, a, a photographer, I went to a session with a couple of different ones with uh, professional photographers and learned so much from them, little tips and uh, one was basically a print journalist and he, he won awards all over the place, he was from Minnesota and uh, uh, I, you know, that he, his work still sticks with me. I think the World Herald has had some great photographers. Uh, I, 
and I knew a lot of them. I went to school with some of them at Creighton, and I, they were terrific. I think very inventive. Uh, I just my my favorite teacher in college, uh, Mr. Zugner, or Mr. Z, uh, was uh, was. It, he was, I took editing and photography and all kinds of things from him. And whatever he told me, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to do what he said should be done. Because he was so wise and wonderful. And, and you ask, if you ask 100 journalism students from Creighton, they'll all name him as their favorite teacher. Yeah. So uh, his, his words just stick with me. And that's, I just try to be... And I, and I don't know if you know, you know, that I taught journalism at many of the schools, including Creighton, but UNO for 30 years, mm -hmm. and I would emphasize certain things to them that were that Mr. Z taught me uh, <laughs> about just you know finding the lead and and getting and, you know if you get a good lead you can get. The whole story can flow from that. Right. The lead is the beginning for people who don't have the jargon. But uh, uh, so that's very important to me. Right. And I, it's just I read. Uh, in grad school, I took a course in. Uh, uh, oh, I forgot the name of it now. But it was uh, it was uh, it was like Truman Capote writing. Mm -hmm. It was true stories, but written kind of in a uh, like they were telling a tale, right. and there was a writer named Terry Sutherland, Terry Southern, and he wrote a piece I'll never forget about the cheerleading competition. You know, the national that got together in the South, and the mothers and the kids. I mean, it was very cutthroat. I mean, you've read about some right. murders that have occurred over this. He was such a good writer. I started looking him up, and you, your listeners can Google him, Terry Southern. He, he, I tried so long to write similar to him because he was so good. And unfortunately, he died young, and uh, you know that's all we have is what he, what he got written. But yeah, people like that inspire me. Yeah. Well, and. And when you're writing the features, you, you can do a little bit more of that story, oh, yeah. right? And, and not have yes. to top down with the... Right. I, yeah, I'm not thrilled with the t top down stories. I mean, they're pedestrian, you know. But you, you, you try to inject a little something into them. Yeah. Um, so, what... Oh, what, well, I mean, in terms of changing media... Um, you know, the Daily Record gets a lot of views online as opposed to been building paper, and um, and so that's been something that you've you've been um, involved with, right? Well, yeah, I'm in charge of putting up the the main page of the website, which is the the one that has all the stories on it. Yeah, uh, the home page, and so it, it's it's a great way to uh, introduce people to our. To our stories, you know, and get them hooked. Hopefully, to want to read read them regularly, and yeah. um, and that's been kind. Of, that's been a learning process, and that's been fun. Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly comfortable in print. We're 
i think our website, i think it looks okay. um i think it would look better if we had a different platform, but we don't. and so we kind of have to work with you know, everybody has to work with what they've got. so if anybody has complaints about <laughs> that you can call the platform people. but but that's been something i've been doing for a number of years uh and and it uh, and that's been a daily chore uh, <laughs> from when you know you were you were shooting film to shooting digital that's been a transformation i'm sure and Ooh, a good one yeah um you know i was listening to a podcast today earlier and they were um discussing how the Library of Congress has all these, you know, amazing photos from 100 years ago that, you know, they have in a form that anyone can reproduce from the film, but then you get into digital content and what platform software do you need to open that digital content and is that going to be a problem down the line 100 years from now? Is anyone going to be able to open a JPEG? Uh, PNG, uh, whatever format we have. You know, that is that is the question because I have, over these decades, have had, ever since I got a computer, had all different storage venues for my stories and pictures, and some of them have gone by the wayside. And yesterday I was cleaning out my desk drawer and I threw out a ton of floppy disks because mm. I wanted what was on there, but I knew I would never have the means to look at it again. Mm -hmm. And that's true of every generation. I'm losing something. I just had to turn in my DVR to get a new version, and it had all this stuff on it that I wanted to save, and I couldn't save it. I had to give it back. So uh, I worry about that. I think you know, people say, "Oh, just put all your pictures on right. on CDs." Right. And you know the new Macs don't have a CD player. <laughs> I had to go out and buy an external one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure that'll go the way of the zip drive and right. the big, big, big honking drives that I <laughs> used to save things on. I don't know what they were called now. But so I do worry. You know, paper as long as you can store it or. Uh, and and do you know and always back it up. I mean, I always have everything saved three or four places. Uh, then that's still going to probably yeah. stand the test of time. But I don't know. It. I mean, it's one of those things. I think we all have this false sense of even now with the cloud, everything's oh, backed up. I'm scared of the cloud. We just. I mean, <laughs> uh, we just saw there was some sort of update done, and they lost you know hundred million documents mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because they didn't format it properly or some, something along those lines that all this backup that you thought you had was uh. so you know when we're when we're thinking about oh I'll save this article or whatever I've done you know as, as lawyers or right. people in the media you got to think about is it really going to be accessible yeah. if I don't have it backed up saved in how permanent paper or whatever. is this well when they first got the computers, all I ever heard was uh, how, you know, oh, well, we're going to have a paperless office. Yeah. <laughs> no, now we have more paper because we're printing out everything that we save on, on electronically just in case. Yeah. 
So we haven't gotten rid of any paper. Uh, <laughs> not in my house. Just a lot more, a lot more of it. Um, yeah, just saving everything. Yeah. Um, and it's, believe me, it's it's saved me on more than one occasion that I had a printout of something. Yeah. I uh, was working on a, a tabloid one time, a 12-page tabloid newspaper that I did on a monthly basis, and it had a one-day turnaround. Mm -hmm. And I put the whole thing together on the computer. We had then zip drives, which were little, fat little drives, sent that to the processor to print it out for me in, in a page form. And they said, the disk um, crashed. Send us, just copy off another one and send it to us. Well, I didn't have a copy mm -hmm. uh, on my hard drive, uh, my desktop. Probably the first time I didn't, but I didn't. But thank God, I had printed out a paper copy, so I had to stay up all night and recreate it. But at least I had a paper copy, or I would have been dead. Right. So, you know, it's I. I don't know. I was just thinking about it the other day, though. That uh, I wonder how much longer I'm going to be able to to look at these things that I'm saving right now mm -hmm. before they're obsolete. Yeah. I think they've done a pretty good job of of hanging on to things like JPEG. You know, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Uh, but just the fact that there's competition, everybody creates mm -hmm. different formats and yeah. <laughs> and then you have to keep buying more and more software to open it. Right. That's right. It's a vicious cycle. And I was saving stuff to the iCloud and it informed me the other day that my iCloud was filled and I'd have to pay them right. uh, some hundreds of dollars to continue saving them even. That's right. Yeah. So now I'm <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, everybody always finds a way to make a buck out of this. You know that. <laughs> it couldn't be free for very long. So... Yeah. Well, um, well, we at the Omaha Bar Association are just really excited to uh, be recognizing you after your decades of work at the Daily Record and, and your m many decades of work for the Omaha Bar Association reporting what we do and our members and everything like that and now the work that you've done for a very long time for our newsletter, making it digital so people can pull it up on their phones instead of just having that paper copy um, to that, that whole world of, of digital. Yeah, well, it's not going away. <laughs> so we, we really do appreciate it. Um, oh, any, anything uh, for the good of the record that I didn't get out that you want listeners well, to know? Pretty thorough, I think. <laughs> David, I just I want to say that not only is it a pleasure working with everybody in the, in the bar uh, and certainly the board and everybody, and but especially you, uh, it's it's continues to be a joy to do. Um, and it, it really, it's really close to my heart. It's really something I have felt like no other one of my jobs that I'm so committed to. You know, it's just, uh, it's good people and it's good work. So keep up the good work. <laughs> and well, I thank you. Thank you. Well, on that note, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Bye-bye.